hey, hi, this is Eli. Um, thanks for listening. Um, glad to have you here with me. Uh, it's really exciting to be able to talk to you about this stuff and explain to you all these things I know about. Um, my name is Eli Hansen. I'm an artist. I live in the Bay Area right now. And I work in a lot of different studios. I've worked my whole career as a freelance artist assistant. Um, and I've, uh, I, I went to school for a couple years, and I studied with some really great printmakers, Anna Hepler and Keiko Hara. And they really, uh, both of those women really changed my life and gave me uh, a perspective and a knowledge of uh, equipment and processes and studio practice that is still really influential to this day. Uh, but after a few years of school, I finally had to drop out. Uh, I made it to the end of my junior year. I made it three years. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not really an institutionalist. Uh, I was too much, not enough learning and too much money. And I wanted to be in studios learning and getting paid. Always broke, and I thought it would be a smarter financial decision to uh, learn and get paid. Uh, so that's what I did, and I've always, because I don't have a degree, uh, I've felt like I've always had to work a bit harder to stay afloat, and I don't have a regular job that I can rely on. I need to make myself indispensable through knowledge base and uh, be reliable and knowledgeable. And I need to always be learning, picking up new information to be able to work and then also to be able to make my own work and to be able to realize ideas I have and dreams I have and weird things. I also just love makers and the strange makers that are out there, uh, the ones that really know lots of things like me, who aren't very good at being in institutions and don't do well uh, in big corporate environments. I've worked for important fancy artists, big art fairs and museums, and I've worked for art institutions. And one thing that I find remarkable about these big art institutions is the lack of knowledge in the individuals, and the staff, and faculty in those institutions. Um, oftentimes, their knowledge base is very narrow often very fear-based. They're scared for their job. They're scared about their knowledge being taken. They're scared about students copying their work. They're 
step outside of those places and you find the real stewards of the craft, the people that are in the studios making it. Um, and oftentimes, I think, in the hot works, metalwork, blacksmithing, and glass blowing, um, that's where you find the people that know the most things about making things. Because if you want to work hot, very little money. You need to know a lot. You need to be able to fix a lot of weird, broken things. And you need to be able to make work with what you have. And you need to be able to understand parameters of danger. And you need to be okay with fear and be relaxed around very scary situations and not be living in fear. But instead, let the fear, the wind, of fear get behind you and fill your sails. And it's in those studios where I've found my space. With all that said, you know, I could end up back at an institution. I could be I could be teaching or I could be taking, you know, getting a real education so that I can get myself a real job. Uh, I keep thinking I should go get my master's so that I can go be a real institutionalist, but then I end up getting all this work because people need me to make things. And fuck, I love making things, any which thing, I love to make it, and I love the particularities of mediums, the difficulty of mediums, the difficulties of financial barriers, parameters, time financial constraints. Um, so I keep getting sucked into these studios and I love the companionship that comes with uh, working in the studios, the social environment of studios that are you know, struggling to pay their bills and pay paychecks of many people through the production of objects. Uh, that's where the knowledge, the fun knowledge is shared and where those difficult situations produce the most interest. Social environments, characters. There's a process that happens in glassblowing, I think, that is, it is so difficult to learn, and it takes so many years to learn, um, but it takes a, a, a certain bit of just a little bit of self-confidence and kind of bullheaded belief in yourself and uh, you know, this combination of humility and a lack of humility that, that you need to be able to make mistakes right in front of a bunch of people and then also think that next time you can get it. You need to be just a little bit stubborn to think that you can get it next time, even though obviously you're not going to be able to. It's going to take you years. But then you need to be able to be, you know, humble enough to be able to make those mistakes and take those hits and not get so frustrated with yourself that you need to just quit it. Uh, 
there's a kind of weeding out process that will happen often, I think, in the hot words. And uh, there's a certain type of character that can kind of make it through that. As sometimes I've heard Glass referred to uh, as the great humbler. Uh, Just when you get full of yourself thinking you've got something, it shows you right then. Breaks, smashes, winds up, folds up. Just when you think you've got it. Then again, if it's the great humbler, I've also met some of the greatest, most enormous egos in class shops, so who knows, um, I don't, not me, not me, I've, uh, I've just been in the craft studios and learning all these things and studying all these moments, but what we're going to talk about this time is um, bearings, ball bearings, specifically bicycles, because, you know, if there's one thing that's most important in the world, it's bicycles. And I think um, learning about the bearings and bearing surfaces and how ball bearings and how bearing surfaces work is a um, super important thing to help everybody and you specifically in your craft journey and how that you might want to make things move um, or attach or rotate Um, or if you just want to ride your bike to work or if you've ever been to a bike shop and there was some dude there and he was really lame uh, this is for you because fuck that dude So let's talk about the front wheel. How about of a huffy, right? Because look, you're only as good as the last huffy you fixed. Uh, Everyone loves a super nice Mavic fucking sealed hub bearing. And, you know, that's great. Really proud of your really fancy. But taking a shitty old Huffman and um, repacking that front wheel so it's slippery and smooth, that's where the skill is. That's where the knowledge base becomes so important is working with what you've got. And if you've ever been fucked, not in the front way, but you're having a hard time. Get somewhere with what you got. You know, you might be on a Huffman. You might be riding a bicycle that uh, not a lot of those people uh, want to be riding on, if you know what I mean by bicycle. Uh huh. Yeah, type of dude I am. Might just fix a Huffman. So, um, we're going to take the front wheel of this bicycle, alright? And let's take it off the bike, okay? And We've got an axle that runs down the center of the hub. The hub is the middle jobby of that wheel, the center part where things are spinning around. The wheel is like the whole, is the metal part, and then the 
tire is the rubber part. Um, they can kind of the wheel can kind of be interchangeable. But I think technically the wheel is like the metal part, and then you're not supposed to be calling a tire. But where, you know, remember that guy at the bike shop? Yeah. Um, so the hub and there's an axle in there, and then on the axle there are lock nuts, and there are usually cones, or um, and that is the part of the bearing surface where the things rotate around. There's ball bearings around there. Don't worry, we're going to get, we'll go back into detail here. But, um, there's the ball bearings, there's a cup and a cone, uh, or the, the bearing race. Uh, and then there's sometimes going to be some spacers, there's going to be uh, sometimes a little keyway on that axle where the washer will have a like little slot on it it slides in and out um, sometimes it has a flat spot even if it's a quick release then it's going to have a hold on the center of the axle um, and then the quick release will go down in there and then there's two kind of little, little springs on either side of the wheel little cone shaped springs that are potentially Useless, but you always get because you never know what they're used for. Um, and then, all right. So potentially the spokes are okay. You're not missing too many of them. The wheel's fairly straight, and you need to repack the bearings. It's got a little wobble. If you were to hold the axle and wiggle the wheel, the hub is going to shift a little. You can feel a little almost kind of rattle as you, as you move it. Um, if you held the wheel stiff and you grab the axle and you wiggle it up and down, you feel like these tubes kind of. So, you know, it's good to keep your bearings snug and tight and spinning smooth. Um, you know, it's also, it could be overrated. You're going to put some hurt to it if you don't repack it and keep it tight. But again, we're talking about objects, and you're a human. So um, part of our deal is to wear down these objects and to put our mark in the world. Um, so if you open up these cups and cones and you see the cup worn out, you can also imagine it like that place in the factory floor where there's like Somebody standing, it's like your favorite thing to look at. It's this worn out of the spot. Um, so, let's say both the all the nuts on it. You've got your exterior nuts. If it's not a quick release, then you have your your axle nuts that are going to be the nuts that are on the way on the outside. So take those off. Those are usually kind of normal looking size. There maybe. Quarter inch or three eighths inch tall regular nuts, usually a fifteen millimeter, maybe seventeen millimeter nut, and um, you like that standard metric combo there. I got you. 
going to remove those axle nuts. And now what you have, what you're looking at, is the lock nut on either side. And those potentially, if you feel like it's kind of like it hasn't shifted and it's not totally fucked, like let's keep one side fixed and let's take off the other side. So let's set it in our lap and removing the lock nut. We're going to remove the lock nut now from that top side. Okay? We're going to leave the cone nut in there for a second. Okay? Um, so that's that's probably going to be 15 or 13. Uh, and you're going to remove that. And you now is where we're going to need to get our cone wrenches. And they kind of look like regular open-end wrenches, except they're really skinny. Usually made some very hard steel because they're so skinny, they need to be a little bit harder. Um, and so now, if potentially you could just put it on there and loosen, it might be that loose. We are talking about huffy here, um, but maybe it's snug enough. You might want to put slide underneath it on that cone there's going to be two little slots for the wrench to grab. Put it on there, and then you can loosen that lock nut. Pull the lock nut, unscrew the lock nut off of the axle. Um, if that doesn't quite work, maybe you're going to need to grab the other side with another cone wrench or just a regular-ass wrench um, so that you can get pull that lock nut up. Now, now this is supposing that your cone nut is going to stay down, then that's going to keep all the bearings in which your bearings aren't going to fall out. Uh, if you have a Frisbee, uh, you can put a Frisbee in your lap. Frisbee's a great place to put all your bearings. Uh, and you can have the Frisbee in your lap, and you got the wheel sitting on there with the axle vertical, and then, um, but you're still keeping it. We're still not letting the bearings out yet, okay? So now um, you're going to take that lock nut up and off the axle. Okay? Now maybe you have another frisbee you can put it in, or you can just put that frisbee in your lap, or maybe you have a little bench and you can set it on there, or you have some other little dish or some egg curtain. You can put it in there so you know that's what you can do. If you want to take a picture of it, you can take a picture so you remember what the fuck is going on. If there's like little ridges on one side of that lock nut, like make a note of that, look at that, think about it. Uh, and now, you got that off, okay? So now there might be a little spacer in there, um, a little washer. It might be have a washer with a slot on it if there's a keyway machine down the side of that axle. There might be a flat spot. It might be none of those. It might just be a straight round axle. It might be a quick release. It might not be one of that. Um, now, if there is a lock, wa a little washer, take that washer, slide the washer up and off. <coughs> now, we're looking at that cone, which is going to kind of look like a regular nut or a two-sided nut kind of thing. Um, and now you're going to take that cone wrench and you're going to loosen that cone up a little bit, and you're going to start to slide it up the axle. But, make sure you're keeping pressure on the axle from the bottom, pushing the axle up. 
into the hub from below. So it's going to be holding the bearings from below, and then the bearings in the top cup that we're getting into, um, those are going to stay there because of gravity, because they're just going to be sitting down inside that little cup. Now, let's take a pause here. We're, I'm going to describe to you the cup and cone situation and the bearing surface. Imagine that you have two cones, one inside of the other, like an ice cream cone. you got an ice cream cone inside the other ice cream cone. Now you have a little space in there that's a fairly even space. Now imagine if you were to curve those. Like the inside ice cream cone is curved in, so the edges are concave, and then the outside ice cream cone is like curved out, so it's convex. So inside that space, it's almost like an ellipse shape. You know, if you were going to stick those together, then you have this kind of like opening in there. So imagine, let's say, even exaggerate and shorten that, and that's kind of where we're going with this cup and cone situation. It's two, it's two cones, but we're calling one a cup, um, that then have a matching curves for the ball bearings to sit inside. So you're sticking those ball bearings in between the two ice cream cones, and then because of that curve, the ice cream, the ball bearings aren't just slipping up and down and falling out. They had a little place they landed. And so that spot, that's where we're putting those ball bearings. And those two surfaces then are going to be riding around those ball bearings. And then it's not going to wobble and it's going to be smooth. And it's the dimensions are always going to stay fixed because of that lock nut. And then the lock nut is a lock is, is the lock part of the lock nut is that you are going to lock it against the cone because the cone is also threaded. And if you take two nuts on a threaded rod, so you have the threaded surface and two threaded objects on that threaded surface and two nuts on a bolt, and you tighten them together. Like, you twist them into each other. You tighten them against each other. That tension is super powerful tension, and it's not going to move. It's really hard to get that to move. And so that is the principle that the bearings are going to be working with. You're not tightening the nuts against the bearing. You're tightening the nuts against each other and holding them exact fixed moment that you need that super specific interior dimension to exist and not move. Um, and because it's on a threaded surface, you can vary where that is just so, and then fix it down with that lock nut and crank that lock nut against the cone. And those two together, tightening into each other, are how you're going to make that axle have a fixed dimension in between. The two cones are going to fit exactly in a perfect spot against those two cups. So that's what we're, that's the principle that we're working on. And that is going to be on the front and rear tire of a bicycle. And also, I am describing, really, I'm describing bikes that were like peak in the 80s. 1986, like, this is really, you need to be listening to this podcast in 1986. Right now, you could go to the 
the store and you get a whole bunch of different kind of things in your bikes and also all the variants are going to be sealed and they all have different drivers. But a lot of the bikes that are out there and that you might deal with if you're dealing with bikes actually have, still deal with this very same uh, mechanical principle. So I think it's still applicable. Or maybe it's just old timers like me. So there you go. Um, now we've got this bike wheel in our lap, taking the lock nut off, getting this cone loosened. We figured out how to get the cone loosened without loosening the other side. The other side still has a lock nut and a cone and all that stuff, and still pushing up into the bearings and holding the bearings. The bottom, the top, and you get the cone out. There's a bunch of grease and starting to get kind of dirty. Your fingers get dirty. Now you've got the axle poking out. And you've got, and it's pretty weakly, and you've got the bearings in there, and there might even be like a little ring that's kind of pressure fitted into that. And that's like just basically to hold the grease into place. The ring might also be around, like fitted onto the bearing. And so when you take, or sorry, the cone, and, and when you take that cone out, it might actually have like a wide flange on it that's kind of holding, helping to hold that grease um, and protect those buried who get off get sand and dirt and stuff in there. Except if you go to Burning Man, in which case all you get in your, all that you have inside your bearings is sand. Um, so now you're going to remove that cone. Now you got your axle in there. And now, if you need to get that little ring out, um, maybe you can get it out while the axle's in there. Um, and maybe we'll go over it if you can't. But if you can't get it out while the axle's in there, you should be able to pull the axle out because the bearings won't fall out right away. But say, let's say just for good measure that we can get that ring out or the ring comes out on the cone. And now we can see those bearings in there. And one efficient, smart thing to do might be to fish those bearings out right now. Uh, and there probably is going to be nine of them. And they're probably going to be somewhere in the eighth inch of three sixteenths uh, in diameter. Depending on the wheel, they're probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 to 11 of them. And you're going to want to make a note of how many they are. And also look and see, like, does it look like there's enough bearings in there? Or does it look like it's missing some bearings? Usually, they're all the bearings are in there, but sometimes it might be missing some. So making note of that and using your thinker, does it look like it could fit more in there? Um, if there is, like, if there's the right amount, there's usually a little space that's almost the size of a bearing, but not totally. Um, so, then, you're going to get those bearings out. Alright? And you're like, you're like, cool, got those bearings out, they're really greasy, that was gross. 
Now you got an axle sticking out, and kind of see the cone. And now you can use a little rag, and you can wipe it out, and you can clean that area out. You're still applying pressure up from the bearings below. Now you've got a clean race in there. You got your your cone cleaned out in there, and there's no bearings in there. You have the bearings on the counter in an egg carton. Maybe you even put them in a little jar of simple green, and you can start to clean them. Uh, and maybe you even take the bearings out and look at them and look to see if they are pitted or if there seems to be weird wear on them. You're starting to look at all the parts you took out and look at that cup and that cone. Is there like a weird gray line where they kind of like worn out weird? Or does it look all like crispy and there's like a perfect little smooth area on it? Uh, these are things you might be aware of making note of. Whew. A little pooped these days. Um, I'm driving. I should be riding my bicycle. Now, um, if we really feel confident, like we got all the bearings out, we got all the grease out, and we're feeling good about it, now you can grab that axle and kind of pull it up. So you're really just like picking up the wheel from the axle, from the top there. And then you're going to flip it over. So now you're looking at the same thing you're just looking at on the other side. It's got the axle sticking up. It's still got the lock nut and the cone on it and that little ring. Except now you know you don't have any bearings on the other side. And now you can just carefully slide that, pick that axle up. And this might be careful because like if it was really greasy, the, the ball bearings might stick to it there. Um, just be aware of the ball bearings and um, try not to lose any or drop them on the floor. Um, and so you're going to slide that axle up and out and looking to see that those bearings are there and that this is the point when like the bearings could fall through um that hole that the axle just came out so just be careful like be aware of those bearings um and how they might be in there coming out um and now you're going to get the axle up and out make sure there's no bearings stuck to it and then you can wipe the axle off um and Set that down. Maybe you're going to wipe it with simple green, but maybe you're just going to set it down because you'll clean some stuff more. Um, and then, now you're looking in there. Got your bearings. And now this is a great time to count your bearings and compare it to how many bearings are on the other side. Is it the same amount? Well, that's a good sign that all of your bearings are there. If it's a different amount, there's a good sign that either... You lost a bearing, or um, perhaps um, it was missing a bearing in the first place. They should have the same amount of bearings. That's important. Um, and so now you could also get those bearings out of there and clean them and uh, check for pitting or weird wearing. Um, and if things are looking like they're really not doing so great, if they're really hashed in there, then you might need to think about some replacement parts. But look, this is a Huffman, man. You got all the parts you need right there.
Um, so the truth is, there's a couple. There's a lot of workarounds you could do, and some quicker ways you could do this, where you can really just like open the bearings up, take a look, open these areas up, take a look, squirt some more grease in there, and then smash them back together. Um, but I'm giving you the information to kind of like take it apart and clean it, really inspect it, and then put it back together. So you really got a good look at it. But sometimes maybe if you want to just repack it with grease and tighten it back up and not really like get this full inspection and stuff, like you could do that. Sometimes you might just open it and like not even look in there and just squirt grease and tighten it back up and get it as snug as possible. Because even if there is like weird wear and it's like it's all fucked up, like you know, you still can get it pretty tight and it's not going to wear too much more. You can make it work. If it's like really grinding or you like got a ball bearing that's like going sideways and it's like crushed or one of them's blown out, or you got this really deep divot in there because somebody didn't repack it for a long time and rode it for a long time. Um, those can be some issues that you might be addressing. And that's something you might, if you try to tighten it all back up, you might actually just notice um, if you tighten it back up. But then you might be like, you know what? This is really not going great. But again, um, this is a Huffy. And generally, things might not be going good anyways in your life. Because you got this damn bike. You got to get across town on this thing. And it's raining. So um, let's tighten it up. Um, so we got all our bearings out. Got our axle out. Clean all this stuff. We got some grease to put back in there. Um, maybe you got like a fancy little jar tube of like, um, you know, park tools, like green bike grease. Maybe you got some like weird lithium grease. Maybe you just got some grease that, you know, you think might be right. Um, that's great. That, that grease is great. Um, all these things really, let's be honest, are based on whale blubber as grease. So remember that, that a lot of these mechanisms and the way that these things work were built around the grease of the whale. So if somebody's telling you you got the wrong grease, like, you remember that guy at the barbershop? Yeah. Fuck that guy. He doesn't know. You know that it's whales. Whales are like people. They are critters. And critters ain't made of metal. So, um... Okay, just pulled up to the house. My dog, Mr. Chief Seattle, is really excited to see me. But, um, we are going to have to put this wheel back together. So, um... It's only been 35 minutes so far, so. So now, here is the here is an important thing that we've done is now that we've gotten the axle out. The axle has a lock nut and a cone on one side, and potentially because we kind of gauged this at the beginning, like that has the, that has that has the fixed dimension that we need like on one side, like there's a width that 
that needs to be inside. And then that kind of determines the spacing of how much axle is sticking out on either side of the lock nut. And if you left one side fixed the whole time, then it, you didn't change that dimension. That dimension still exists. And so you can just use, continue, you can rebuild off that dimension. If for some reason it's shifted or you had to break both sides to loosen it and you don't really know, like this might be something you might want to take a measurement first and figure it out. Or you can also, there are definitely like ways you can find these dimensions um, and the internet um, has some answers. Um but um now let's say that we did keep that lock nut fixed now to reverse this process what you want to do is you want to start by um uh tightening that lock nut um onto the cone and so that just make sure that that fixed moment there, the lock nut cone that are on the, the axle, the ones that we left on there, make sure those are tightened against each other really fucking tight. Like take the two cone wrenches and tighten them really tight against each other so that you know that that is solid. That lock nut situation is solid and that's, your basis for now we're going to rebuild it off of that moment sometimes you could get it apart and like it might not have moved but that might be a little loose and you want to get that tightened right now so you got that tightened and then we got one of those cups up because the wheel's still sitting in your lap on top of that frisbee put some put a little grease in there and then put the bearings back in there and then put a little more grease on top of it. You can use extra grease. It's okay to get a little extra grease. It's going to come out, but it's okay to have a little extra grease because it's better to have extra grease than less grease. Um, it might be messy, but it's going to turn nice. Um, and so now... Um, You got those bearings in there. Maybe it's nine bearings. You figured it out. It's the right amount of bearings. They're the right size. They're not totally fucked. Or if they were fucked, you somehow figured out how to get new ones and replace that. And you put those bearings in there and you put the grease in there. And then you drop that axle back on top with that cone pointing in there. And you put it in there. And maybe there's that little metal ring. Is it on the cone? Or maybe you got to push that back on there. And then you put the axle inside. And so now you're back to the moment where you have an axle on one side. And you can feel now if you rotate that axle in there, it feels really smooth. And it's like, woo, 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 woo. it's turning all smooth. And it's really nice in there. And that is a good sign. Um, if it also feels really crunchy, this might be a moment to be like, did I really inspect that? Or did I put a rock in there instead of a bearing? Um, and so you feel that that feels smooth now applying pressure onto that so that it doesn't fall out you don't lose your bearings it doesn't get all weird flip it over set it back down on that frisbee in your lap and then you've got an axle sticking out and a clean cup in there 
and Axel poking up and the clean cup. And now you put a little grease in there. Put your bearings back in there carefully into that little space in there in that little round ring, the cup and the inverted ice cream cone. Um, put them in there. And now you're going to take your cone nut and you're going to thread it down that axle. Oops, you put in a little grease, put in your bearings, put a little more grease on top. Now put your cone back in there, okay? Carefully thread that down. Get that all the way down there. And now it's kind of the moment of truth where you're actually going to be able to feel like, is this thing going to turn? You still don't have your lock out on there and you still it's not really ready, but... You're getting that cone down on there and you can feel the moment when it hits those bearings of like, it's loose, it's getting perfect and smooth and then it's too tight. And so you want to get that moment where it's just really smooth and rotating and it's not rattling, but it's not too tight. Okay? You feel that? It's such a nice feeling. This is the moment I really love. I mean, I love this whole thing, but there's a moment there that's just really special. So, um, now you're going to put the little, you might have a little washer you're going to put back there. Like, be aware of that keyway, slide the washer down there. Um, and then now you're going to put the lock nut on there. Thread that lock nut down against your washer but really against your cone and then here is the other moment of truth and pain is where you're going to take the two cone wrenches probably a 13 and a 15 and you're going to tighten those two the cone and the lock net against each other just like you did on the other side but now you are fixing that dimension that's in between and, and locking that into place and this is the moment that, you know, you might, for some reason, just do it and it might actually be perfect. You lock them together and bam, it's just, it turns smooth. It doesn't rattle. It's really smooth. It's really tight, but it's not too tight. But most likely what's going to happen is you can get it right and you can try to do it and then it's going to be too loose and then it's going to be too tight and then it's going to be too loose. And maybe you do it going three, five, seven times and then you're going to get it. So don't worry and don't fuss. Sometimes it's going to take you 27 times to get it just right. Um, this is a Huffman. And so you want to, you know, sometimes it's just putting the cone down, tighten the cone down, you get the lock nut, and then you hold the cone with the cone wrench, and you take the lock nut, and you tighten it, and just the lock nut turns. But usually both of them are going to turn a little bit. So sometimes what you need to do is you need to tighten that cone, over-tighten the cone, and then bring that lock nut down. And as you bring them together, it actually loosens the cone up in the lock nut. And that's what does it. Sometimes if things are really giving you a heck of a time, you might need to reach around to the other side and use the cone wrench on the other side to kind of like hold things in place as you get it fidgeted down into place. Like this should be difficult. And this is what's going to teach you 
how these barren surfaces work and the subtlety of this moment is like finding this place and and also kind of just passing through the potential frustration that might come with this moment when you like you know that you just need to get this wheel on the bike now and you need to get going and all you need to do is make this right but you can't quite get it right and now it's too loose and now it's too tight and now it's too loose and now it's too tight did you really inspect that cone was that little divot like bigger than you thought it was and like are you an okay person and, like was that guy at the bike shop actually right that like you don't know what you're talking about it's not true you know you and you know that you have a huffy and you are going to get across town in the rain because that's how life works you know that's what's going on it might take you a couple minutes longer but i believe in you i believe in myself and i believe in you and you believe in you, and you believe that you have a Huffman and some rain that you got to deal with. You want to walk? You're going to ride this bike, right? So just keep working through it gently and slowly until you feel like you got it spinning pretty good. And look, if you don't got it spinning pretty good, it still fucking spins, so you can still ride the damn thing. Um, but that moment of like putting that all together, getting that lock nut down out of that cone, like this is an important moment and this is what's going to make this thing run smoothly and not wear weird. You know, if you do it too loose, like that's the thing that like you're going to fuck up those cones and cups. It's going to make it worse. You're going to break a bearing and it's going to all go sideways. It'll still move fine. You know, you're not a Bernie man. It's not full of sand. Um, in which case you're just going to sand down your bearings and it's all going to disappear and become a different thing, but you just got some rain. Um, and so what you want to do is take your time and believe in yourself. And now you have a rear wheel to do, and you also have your hubs, the, uh, so the bottom bracket, the part where the pedal, the little, the pedal, the crankshaft thing that you spin in your wheel, your feet around on. That bottom bracket also has bearings in it, though less and less so because a lot of them started getting sealed because those are really like, that's a more, more it just gets more torque on it. Uh, and then you also have your bearings in your head tube, the steer tube, the part that you turn the wheel with, with the handlebars go through. Um, there's bearings in there too. So um, potentially um, you might be tightening all those up the bottom bracket is a little weird, and there's a couple different kinds of bottom brackets. Um, and so those are that's a little more confusing. The rear wheel, you're going to either have a free wheel or a cassette around it in the old style, and there's new styles, like even crazier. But the free wheel or the cassette um, both have a little bit of like tricky parts to get those off or to get access to the bearings so they're a little more particular the headsets the difference is sometimes like which side is the cone and which side is the cup um you know like whether the cup is threaded or the cone is threaded and which one is fixed on the um the head tube and then you also have them like you can take them off and on of the head tube, but the hub is like machined out. So those bearing races, those cups are actually part of the hub on the head tube. Oftentimes it's like a separate thing that's actually pushed into that tube. Um, 
But once you understand the front wheel, the basic front wheel, then like that's like really the big mechanical part. And then you kind of have some particularities of the actual object that's all totally conquerable and it's just metal. It's not emotions. It's not people or personalities. It's not some stupid person at the bike shop. It's just a bicycle. And you're a great person. You're especially great for listening to this um, really crazy lecture about ball bearings and wheels. Um, I hope it wasn't too confusing about the bicycle and the Frisbee. And I hope it wasn't too rude to that person at the bike shop. I hope they still want to be my buddy and go for a bike ride. Um, and I'm going to get to, I got some more information to you to give to you about glass and bookbinding. But um, I realize it really is important to get to get the bikes talked about here. So um, I'm going to go walk this dang dog and then I better get to bed because I got an early morning making chandelier parts up in Napa. Um, and then in the night, I have another long-ass drive from way up north up by the Russian River where they've been having all them crazy floods. And then I go down to San Francisco and I got to teach a class in the night um, from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the night. Um, and then, but that drive, <clears throat> I think we're going to talk, we're going to talk tomorrow in that drive. Um, there's going to be some important stuff to be said then. And then I'm going to have to go to bed. Um, I'm going to sleep. Because then on the next day after that, I got to go to a shop over Richmond and we have a furnace equipment to repair. We have to like, I have a furnace to help this fella take apart and put back together. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I had a great evening with teaching this really nice person to weld in Palo Alto um that was super special and really fun to engage in somebody's backyard with ankle grinder and a chop saw and cutting up all this um found metal parts to make a welding table then to make a dragon and a tree with bottles on it um you know sometimes if you just really want to do crazy things with your life then you end up doing crazy things with your life um so i'm glad i got you to listen to me tell you the stories about this stuff and i'm glad that i spent all that time working in that bike shop when i was a youngster um so that i could sit here now and describe to you a front wheel of a huffman um out of my mind like that I mean, I just really was right in there. I've like, I'm looking at it now in my mind and that wheel is packed so perfectly and so tightly and I am totally ready to ride across town in the rain. So thanks for joining me on this adventure. I love you a lot. You're wonderful. And uh, this is the end of the message. Bye for now. <laughs>